today on New Season. When I look in the mirror every morning, the first thing I see is not the color of my skin or my ethnocultural context. What I see is a child created in the image of God, a born-again child of God. Be light by who you are, always remembering that God doesn't call the perfect. He calls the willing. He doesn't call the one that has it all. He calls upon the one that will surrender it all. Because every single time light stands next to darkness, light always wins. And now, here is today's word with Pastor Sam Rodriguez. Open, open up your Bibles quickly. Matter of fact, before we even get it, every single time, as we look around us in culture and society, in every single realm, we can't deny the fact that we are living, arguably, in some of the most critical days in world history. And that's not rhetorical hyperbole. Without a doubt, we live in interesting times. And the canopy of darkness continues to grow and exacerbate relativism and decadence and apathy and lukewarmness. There is a battle between light and darkness. Our faith, our faith carries the prophetic potential to build an impermeable firewall, an antidote, and push back darkness in our generation. I am convicted and convinced that we are not alive today by coincidence. You and I are not alive because our mom and dads did not have, have had nothing to do on that day. You and I are alive by divine providence today for a purpose. And in the name of Jesus, we are about to demonstrate to the world that every single time light stands next to darkness, light always wins. If you believe that, touch your neighbor, the one you like, and tell him light always wins. Tell your other neighbor, the one you tolerate, and tell him light always wins. Our faith, somebody say our faith. Our faith is not like any other faith. Our faith is transparent, transcendent, and transformational. Our faith teaches us to cross over obstacles, shout down walls, break through crowds, and even walk on water, even in the midst of storms. Our faith enables us to survive the fires of life, to overcome the den of lions, to silence the serpents and outwit the fox. Our faith, somebody say our faith empowers us to see the invisible, embrace the impossible, and hope for the incredible. It's not a coincidence the first time the universe hears the uttered words of God, God's voice. It was not to say, let there be joy, peace, or even love. The voice of the sovereign, the divine, the glorious, uttered the following, Genesis 1-3, let there be light. Because God always begins by turning the lights on. Life requires light. Faith requires light. Because we can't deny, as I alluded to previously, that we live, in essence, in a Genesis 1-2 moment. And darkness prevailed upon the face of the deep. 
Turn on the news, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, and even Univision. And you will see without a doubt that darkness prevails upon the face of the deep. We live in dark times. Some argue that we live in the darkest hour. Darkened by sin, immorality, moral relativism, spiritual apathy, cultural decadence, infanticide, racism, pornography, poverty, violence, false prophets, watered-down preaching, voyeurism, consumerism, materialism, secular tyranny, division, terror, discord, strife, hatred, jealousy, and unbelief. We live in dark times, and darkness prevailed upon the face of the deep. Genesis 1-2. We live in dark times, and pre permit me if this is part of your, your theological stream or narrative or worldview, or if it's, if it's not, just create some space for it, but let me prophesy in the name of Jesus. Jesus, that even though we may live in a Genesis 1-2 moment right now, we are about to experience a Genesis 1-3 moment. Because our we are alive today. This generation, these generations will rise up in the name of Jesus. And we will turn on the light. We will declare. Because even in the midst of this darkness, there is great news. Jesus still saves. Jesus still delivers. Jesus is still in the healing business. And believe it or not, Jesus is still coming back again. Somebody say, let there be light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. You, you, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bow. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light. To everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I want to just share with you briefly in a few minutes, be light. When light stands next to darkness, light always wins. And I am believing, by the way, that by the time our time together is over, that every vestige of darkness in your life, in your family, in your home, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your finances, in your atmosphere, every bit of darkness will flee in the name of Jesus Christ. And I have the audacious faith to believe that because you are here under this impartation and under this anointing, collective anointing, that by the time you get home, wherever there was darkness, there will be lights. Whatever was broken will be healed. Wherever there was lack, there will be abundance. Wherever the devil showed up, you will see the glory of Jesus like you have never seen before. Be light. It begins, if we exited the scripture, it begins with the proclamation of identity clarification. Be light by who you are. You are the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It begins by definition. When God shows up, he always defines us. The reality of the gospel, it always begins by telling us who we are. Who are we? It is the quintessential query stemming from the existential womb. Who are we? We cannot be light until we discover who we are. We cannot be light until we repudiate all vestiges of identity moratorium. Who are you? Who am I? What defines you? Are you defined by your past? Are you defined by your circumstances? Are you defined by what others say about you? Here's the great news from what took place on the cross. Christ defines you. 
You are not defined by what surrounds you. You are defined by God's spirit inside of you. You are not defined by your circumstance. You are defined by his covenant. You are not defined by your failures. You are defined by his forgiveness. You are not defined by the hell you're going through. You're defined by the heaven you're going to. And to all the religious folk, you're not even defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. The cross, the empty tomb, the upper room, his blood, his word, you're defined by the Father, the Son, el Espíritu Santo. You're defined by Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I, but Christ lives in me. So who are we? And I want you to hear me carefully. Because, are there any questions? Because there is an attempt to redefine us. Even as Christ, if you're a Christ follower, raise your hand. If you're a, a Christian, raise both hands. If you are one of those unashamed, radical, Jesus freak kind of Christian, raise both hands and a foot. There is an attempt. There is an attempt right now taking place, and I kid you not. And I'm in, in the midst of these conversations. There is an attempt to stifle, to marginalize, to silence, to push away, even to redefine us. There is an idea taking place right now in society and culture, yes, in America, but collectively around the world. There is an attempt to define us, to tell us who we are and what we can and cannot say and what we can and cannot do and what we can and cannot influence. There is an attempt to redefine us. So it behooves us to ask, who are we? Are we just another institution in society? Are we another religious faith narrative competing in the marketplace of ideas? Are we a feel-good apparatus for the spiritually impaired? Are we an antiquated conduit for a set of irrelevant values no longer applicable in the world of Facebook, iPad, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube? How we respond will determine whether or not if in this generation light overcomes darkness. So who are we? We must respond with clarity, conviction, and courage the following. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. It's time to raise our voices with love, truth, and love. Via the conduit of the grace-filled work of Christ, we must just... Tenemos que abrir nuestras bocas y gritar como nunca anteriormente quién nosotros somos. What does that mean? It means it's time for us to stand up and say, you want to ask us who we are and you're trying to define us? Let us let's just tell the world who we are. We are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. We are people of the word. We are salt and light. We are prophetic and not pathetic. We are disciples, witnesses, and Christ followers. We are prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We are children of the cross, fruit of the empty tomb, and product of the upper room. We are the redeemed of the Lord, the sheep of his pasture. We are forgiven. We are free, and we are favored. We are called, and we are chosen. We are warriors, and we are worshipers. We are world changers, and we are history makers. Let me tell you what we are not. We are not Google. We are not Microsoft. We are not Starbucks. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not, cannot prevail against us. Give God a shout of praise. 
We are the church. We are the light of the world. We're not just anything. We're like Ecclesia. We're the church. We're not a sports franchise or a political ideology or a human construct. We are the church. We are the most powerful group of people on this planet. There is nothing more powerful on the planet than the church of Jesus Christ. So to everyone, because you hear this, you hear pastors say, Pastor Sam, it doesn't matter what happens. Socially, culturally, politically, morally, this thing is, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's the end times. It's going to have the dispensationalist world. I get that. I respect that. But it doesn't really matter, Pastor Sam, because it's going to go worse. It's going to get worse. And so what we do is irrelevant. No, no, that's not necessary because that's not really this. Because even, I believe he's coming, but everybody's going like, it doesn't really matter what we do because he's coming. So it doesn't matter if the world goes to hell in a handbasket. No, you're the, it's time for us to reconcile our eschatology with our missiology what does that mean even though I believe Jesus is coming and I believe the prayer of revelation come Lord Jesus come but but Jesus is not coming back for a defeated church and he's not coming back for a broken church and he's not coming back for a whining church and he's not coming back for a complaining church he's coming back for a glorious mighty righteous holy powerful world changing church Are there any questions? It's time to be light by who we are. And I don't want to get anyone. I love the multi-ethnic kingdom culture makeup, the mosaic, the tapestry of this church, of this conference. It looks like the kingdom. It smells like the kingdom. It walks like the kingdom. It praises like the kingdom. Because you understand that we are, and we respectfully to all different ethnicities and the beauty of the tapestry of Revelation, all the races and creeds worshiping together. Praise, alabado sea el nombre de Dios para siempre. Amen. Praise the Lord. But, but, but we understand that we are, we are not first and foremost black, white, yellow, or brown, Hispanic, charismatics, or automatics. We are above all things born again, blood washed, spirit empowered, Bible based children of the living God. When I look in the mirror every morning, the first thing I see is not the color of my skin or my ethnocultural context. What I see is a child created in the image of God, a born-again child of God. Be light by who you are, always remembering that God doesn't call the perfect. He calls the willing. He doesn't call the one that has it all. He calls upon the one that will surrender it all. Because every single time light stands next to darkness, light always wins. Be light by removing the obstacles, by removing the obstacles. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and hide it under a bowl. It's addressing the obstacles, the obstructions, our challenges to remove the bow of apathy, complacency, acquiescence, and fear. And once again lay claim to the stand of righteousness so that we may shine before all men. We cannot be light until we embrace the following. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. I'll say that one more time. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. And I'm going to say it in the heavenly language. La complacencia de hoy es la cautividad de mañana. Number two. You are what you tolerate. Tú eres lo que tú toleras. 
There are things that we've tolerated that we should have rebuked a long time ago. But we are what we tolerate. Number three, there is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. Number four, truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political, cultural, or sexual expediency. Number five, while the church is waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. There is an attempt to hide the light. What is the name of the thing, the bowl, the circumstance, the obstruction that is attempting to quench and kill and hide your light? There is an attempt to hide the light. Every single person that's filled with great destiny, every single person with a divine assignment, with a Jeremiah 29, 11 or 1 Corinthians 7, 17, every person that has an assignment from God goes through something. If you've been through, and I mean something, I mean, I don't mean a migraine headache, I don't mean, I mean you've been through something mucho grande. That the enemy came up against you to kill and rob and destroy. If you've been through something big in your, I mean mucho grande, big, raise one hand. If you've been through a couple of big, 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 big storms, raise both hands. If you've been through so many big storms, you lost count already. Raise both hands and a foot. If you've been through so many that if I Google the word storm right now, your Instagram account pops up. Is that you? Raise both hands and both feet. And if you've been through so much, what in the world are you doing in this conference place right here, right now? Why are you still standing? Why are you still here? You're not here because of your personality. You're not here because of your social economic background. You are here because the purpose of God is greater than the brokenness of man. You are You are here not because you perfectly held on to God. You are here because God perfectly held on to you. You gotta come, calmate, calmate. There's a battle, man, to turn off your light. You may be asking, why are you yelling? I don't know, but there's a battle. There's a, no, really, there's a battle to turn off the light. I've been through stuff, you've been through stuff. There's a, it's a spiritual battle. And you may say, that's mystical. That's like, no, they're I'm not talking about Harry Potter. There is a real, via the conduit of biblical allusions, there's, there's, there is a, there are real spirits today attempting to turn off your light. Look around this man. Look at America right now. Let me speak to you prophetically. The spirit of Pharaoh is alive today holding people captive in the Egypt of bondage and fear. The spirit of Goliath still lives, mocking and intimidating the children of God. The spirit of Jezebel, que el Señor la reprenda, still makes men and women hide in caves with sexual perversions and manipulation. The spirit of Absalom, I see even this year, the spirit of Absalom is dividing homes and cities and communities, churches and relationships. While the spirit of Herod is killing the young through abortion and violence and poverty and sex trafficking, murdering infant dreams and visions. 
But I have great news for you. Oh, hallelujah. I have great news for you. There is a spirit more powerful than all these spirits combined. We are here at Influencers 2016 to declare that the most powerful spirit alive today in the Atlanta metropolitan area, in all of Georgia, in all of the southeast U.S. of A., for that matter, in all of America. Oh, let's go Canada and South America, Australia and New Zealand. The most powerful spirit in Singapore and Taiwan and Thailand and Vietnam and China and Japan and all of Asia, in all of Russia and Europe and Africa, in all of the Middle East, the most powerful spirit alive today is regardless of what we see in the news. It's not the spirit of Pharaoh. It's not the spirit of Saul. Absalom, Goliath, Jezebel, or Herod. The most powerful spirit alive today is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. It's still the Spirit of God. It's still the Spirit of God. For it is not by might nor by power, but by my Zechariah 4, 6, where that spirit is present. There is freedom, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Where that spirit is present, there is power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I am, I am convicted and convinced that we stand at the precipice of a new awakening. There will be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I, and, and you may say, oh, that's just like wishful thinking. I believe we are about to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will make a Sousa look like an appetizer. Pastor Sam, what, what gives you the credibility to say such a thing? Because back in 1967, 68, 69, in the newspapers and in the television mediums of America, limited at that time, in, in, the, in the little amount of channels that were there, the, the reporting had the following. Uh, America's racial divide, America's political angst, uh, the politics, race, economics, the, the, the amount of anxiety embedded in the collective American experience was was. was unbelievable. It was unprecedented. You would have to go back to 1860 and the Civil War to see that sort of angst and consternation and flux in the American body politic and the culture and society. In 67, 68, 69, there were articles written saying America is falling apart. There were articles that said the, the Christian faith of America, America is no longer Christian. Time magazine in 1960 came out of a cover story God is dead. It was all about the ending of Christianity, the ending of faith, the, the falling apart of the culture, the divide according to race and color and all of that. And all of a sudden, something happened right about 69, 70, 71. There's something called the Jesus movement. The greatest, according to scholars, Vincent cited another, according to scholars, it was the greatest harvesting, the greatest time where people came to Jesus as Lord and Savior in the history of the world took place. So I have news for you. We hear the same news reports today. What's coming next for America? The greatest harvesting of souls of people coming to Jesus Christ there is an awakening coming to America I said there is an awakening coming to America there is an awakening coming to America so to every narrative and spirit that facilitates the platform of moral relativism, spiritual apathy, cultural decadence, and ecclesiastical lukewarmness, and all of the words of many syllables. To every single spirit that rises up, this is sound Bible. To every single spirit that rises up, 
we understand the following. For every Pharaoh, there must be a Moses. For every Goliath, there must be a David. For every Nebuchadnezzar that rises up, there will be a Daniel. For every Jezebel, there must be an Elijah. For every Herod, there must be a Jesus. And for every devil that rises up against you, there is a mightier God that rises up for you. It's time to remove the bull, to shake off whatever life or hell has placed upon your light. Everything you've been through, the enemy is attacking you, not because of the foolish things you did in your past, but because of the glorious things you're about to see in your future. It's time to shake off whatever life or hell has placed upon your life. Always remembering that what you can't shake off, Jesus washes off. That if life throws you rocks, build an altar. 1 John 2.8, I am writing you a new command. This truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1, arise and shine. For your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. Be light. Be light not only by knowing who you are and by removing the bowl, but be light by where you stand. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. The stand represents the facilitative platform on which we shine the light of Christ. The question must be asked, where do we stand? We stand on the undeniable and unshakable reality that Christ is the hope of glory. We stand with unbridled and uncompromised conviction. And this is not politically correct. But we stand on the following. This is not politically correct, as I discovered on Facebook. This is not politically correct. It, it, this past November, on, in my public page, on Facebook, I did something silly, inappropriate, politically incorrect. I can't believe I did that. What's wrong with me? I suffered from some sort of myopia. I just, just so selfish of me to, to post a following. It was so controversial. It was so just wrong. So inappropriate according to culture and society. On my Facebook page, November, right before Thanksgiving, I posted the following. Jesus is the only way. How dare I? The pushback I received because of the audience that we have and the kind of people we speak to different audiences, and we say it with love. We don't speak in any way, form, or shape disparagingly or, or condescending regarding other faith groups. We just said Jesus is the only way. The, 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 the pushback was so significant that it is, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, your voice needs to be silenced. It is your type of, your type of people. You're, you Christians are the ones causing all the divisions in the world. You need to be silenced. We can't wait till your generation dies off. We would like to see you dead, and then they went, your family dead, and that sort of thing. And then little emojis that blew up, and that sort of thing. And, and all because I said Jesus was the only way. From, from people that, that disagree with that biblical truth. Like, if the, I'm, I'm just a messenger. I'm not making that stuff up. <laughs> he said, I am not a way. I am the So where's the cameraman? Where are you? Give me a tight shot. Is that your tightest shot? All right, sunshine, here it is. Right here, you ready? Just in case I stuttered. With all love and grace, there are not five ways to heaven. There are not four ways to heaven. There are not three ways to heaven. And there are not two ways to heaven. 
There's only one way to be saved, only one way for eternal life, only one way to have your name written on the Lamb's book of life. There's only one way to avoid hell and eternal condemnation. There's only one way to live out the fullness of God's purpose in your life. And that way does have a name. It is the name above all the other names. It is the name to whom which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. It is the name given unto man through by which salvation has come. Come unto all mankind. It is the name that is a strong tower. What is that name? Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the name above all the other names. And we stand on that name. If you believe there is power in that name, give God your best shout of praise. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. The words of Jesus, John chapter 5, to the man who was paralyzed. Your days of paralysis are officially over. If you've been blessed by this program, if you've heard from heaven, if God has spoken to you, to your family, to your dream and your destiny, now I'm going to encourage you right now to generously sow a seed into this ministry. This ministry for the glory of God, not rhetorically, for the glory of God, we are seeing the world change. We are literally reaching millions around the world through God's transformative word, through his power, through his spirit. We're committed to the centrality of Christ, to the word of Almighty God, and through a free flow of his spirit. I want you to help me change the world. I don't want to talk about changing the world. I want to really change the world. But it requires your help, your financial investment, your generous love offering, the information's on the screen. Follow me on pastorsam.com, on Facebook, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. Twitter and Instagram, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. I want you to follow me right now, but I want you to visit our website and I want you to give right now. Sow a generous seed. I assure you, your life will be blessed because you and I will be the greatest blessing as we touch the world. We are not talking about changing the world. You and I, we're changing the world in Jesus' name. God bless you. God keep you. If this message is ministered to you, please consider sowing to this outreach ministry. Make your check payable to New Season, P.O. Box 246090, Sacramento, California 95824. Additionally, you may make a secure donation by visiting our website's give page at newseasonedworship.org. If you are in the Sacramento area, we invite you to join us at New Season Christian Worship Center. Sunday worship services are held at 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. We look forward to seeing you there. Thank you for watching. Join us next time on New Season with Pastor Sam Rodriguez.